The ship heaved and hawed as an explosion rang out. Immediately heard was a collective gasp and the hastening heartbeats of the innocents who survived the blast. The once beautiful ocean liner groaned as she began to tilt heavily to the right side, and ice-cold water flooded the hold, spreading panic across the vessel. Little did they know, these poor innocents would sadly never see daylight again. Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the tragic torpedoing of the second RMS Laconia, a Cunard liner sunk with thousands of Italian POWs aboard. If you're ready for a dark World War II tale, let's get into it. Quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel, Nazism, wartime violence, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised for those under the age of 13. Please keep in mind that I'm not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I've done my research. Okay everyone, let's get into it. Let's get something straight that I failed to do in previous videos. This ship has multiples of the same name, and this one is the second iteration of Armis Laconia, built in 1921. If you'd like us to cover the first, let me know. Alright, now that that is straightened out, Armis Laconia was built by Swan, Hunter, and Wiggum Richardson Limited in Wallsend, Northumberland in England for Cunard Line. She was designed as Yard Number 1125, being launched on April 9th, 1921, and completed in January of 1922. Before we get into her career, let's take a look at the specs. RMS Laconia was an ocean liner that displaced 19,695 gross registered tons and 11,804 net registered tons. The difference between these two measurements is that GRT is a ship's in total internal volume, whereas NRT is a ship's cargo volume capacity. In imperial measurements, she was 601.3 feet long, had a beam of 73.7 feet wide, and a draft of 32 feet and 8 inches deep, and a depth of 40.6 feet deep. In metric measurements, that's a length of 183.3 meters long, a beam of 22.5 meters wide, a draft of 10 meters deep, and a depth of 12.4 meters deep. She had 54,089 cubic feet or 1,531.6 cubic meters of refrigerated cargo space, which is just fantastic for that era. As for passenger capacity, she could carry 350 first class passengers, 350 second class, and 1,500 third class for a total of 2,200 passengers. She had one smokestack painted red with a black tip, like most Cunarders, along with a black hull, red keel, and white superstructure. To power this butte, she was equipped with six steam turbines capable of 2,561 nominal horsepower, and in turn, these steam turbines drove two screw propellers through double reduction gearing. The turbines were created by Wallsend Slipway and Engineering Company in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Her UK official number was 145925, and until 1933, she had the code letters of KLWT. Since she was a Royal Mail ship, 
which is what RMS stands for and allows her to carry mail for the UK, she was entitled to display the Royal Mail Crown logo as part of her crest. After 1933, her call sign was GJCD until 1942. She'd be owned by the Cunard Line, which after the Cunard Line and White Star Line merger briefly became Cunard White Star Line until 1941, when Cunard Line purchased the rest of the shares and took the White Star Line out of their company's name. Don't worry folks, this may seem shady, but the current day Cunard Line always ensures you White Star service, and when passing over Titanic's resting place aboard RMS Queen Mary 2 during April, they sport the White Star Line company flag and have a lengthy moment of silence for the victims of the RMS Titanic disaster. If you'd like to hear more about RMS Queen Mary 2 and the current day Cunard Line, check out our episode on Queen Mary 2. Her main voyage commenced on May 25, 1922, and RMS Laconia's primary route as a passenger liner was on Cunard's Liverpool to Boston to New York City transatlantic crossing from late spring to early winter. During the winter time from January to April, she enjoyed warmer climates during extended cruises. On November 21, 1922, RMS Laconia began an illustrious around-the-world cruise, which was a charter by the American Express Company, and this lasted 130 days and called at a miraculous 22 ports, carrying 347 passengers. Most of these people were leisurely and enjoyed traveling, and also had the funds to take such a cruise. This is important because it is the very first continuous circumnavigation of planet Earth by a passenger liner, with the voyage later being dubbed the first world cruise. For our younger listeners, you might be wondering what a charter is. Let's briefly define that for you. A ship chartering is hiring out the use of a ship by a vessel owner to another company, the charterer, for transportation of goods or for a different purpose, in this case, a world cruise. If you're enjoying this video, let me know down in the comments section below. Don't forget to give this video a like and subscribe to our channel for more stories like this. If you're on an audio-only format like Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, make sure to subscribe for more episodes and leave us a 5-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. Okay, back to RMS Laconia. RMS Laconia's career was not perfect, however. Like many ships back in the day, she suffered a few collisions. Ship navigation is difficult, and especially so when you don't have the technology of today. Heck, even with today's technologies, collisions still happen in the shipping world. Let's start with the first, on September 8, 1925. She collided with the British schooner Lucia P. Dow, roughly 60 nautical miles or 110 kilometers east of Nantucket, Massachusetts in the United States. If you want to hear about another collision that happens here, check out our episode on the 1950s Italian ocean liner SS Andrea Doria. After the collision, RMS Laconia towed Lucia P. Dow for 120 nautical miles or 220 kilometers before handing the tow over to the pros, the American tugboat Resolute, and they towed her the rest of the way in. On September 26, 1934, she was part of yet another collision near the U.S. East Coast when she was traveling from Boston to New York City in dense fog. Fog isn't uncommon in this area, and she just so happened to ram the port side of Pan Royal, a U.S. freighter, due to the horrific visibility. Both ships were severely damaged, but limped into harbor for repairs, and RMS Laconia resumed cruising in 1935 after more extensive repairs. After this, her service history was pretty regular up until she was requisitioned into wartime service. 
As many of us know, Nazi Germany invaded Poland on September 1, 1939, thus beginning the bloodiest war in human history, World War II, a conflict that resulted in 50 to 85 million fatalities. RMS Laconia would be roped into this war three days later on September 4, 1939, when the Admiralty requisitioned her and converted her into an armed merchant cruiser. By January of 1940, she had already been fitted with eight six-inch guns and two three-inch high-angle guns. I'm not a veteran or active servicewoman of the military, so I'm not super knowledgeable in this area. If you are, please fill in the blanks in our comment section, and we thank you for your service. RMS Laconia had trials off of the Isle of Wight, and after this on January 23rd, embarked gold bullion and set sail for Portland, Maine. No, not the Portland that stays weird, the other one, and Halifax, Nova Scotia. For the next few months, she escorted convoys to Bermuda and to other points in the mid-Atlantic where they join up with different convoys. She'd have another mishap on June 9, 1940, when she ran aground at Halifax in Bedford Basin, which is a hazardous harbor. She was considerably damaged and repairs were not finished until the end of July 1940. If you'd like to hear two other stories in Bedford Basin that turned out disastrous, check out our two-part special on the Halifax explosion, starting with SS Mont Blanc and ending with SS Emo. In October of 1940, RMS Laconia's passenger accommodations were dismantled and some areas were filled with oil drums to provide extra buoyancy so that she'd stay afloat if she was torpedoed. I don't think I need to tell you why this might backfire. Should a spark from the explosion of a torpedo hit these oil drums, RMS Laconia would be blown to smithereens along with everyone aboard. From June to August of 1941, RMS Laconia made her way back to St. John, New Brunswick in Canada, and there she was refitted once more. After this, she was sent off to Liverpool, England, where she'd be used as a troop transport vessel for the rest of World War II. On September 12, 1941, she safely arrived at Bidston Dock, Birkenhead in England, and here she was taken over by another builder who built ships for Cunard, Camel, Laird & Company, where they'd take over the conversion. They finished the conversion by early 1942, and for six months after this, she made trooping voyages to the Middle East. In the Middle East and in North Africa, specifically Egypt, the Axis powers took control of the Suez Canal, and the Allied forces would eventually be successful in toppling pro-Axis governments in many of these countries. So that's why the Middle East matters here. Our younger listeners might not have known that World War II even affected these areas, so thank you to our more experienced and knowledgeable listeners for your patience. On one of her voyages to the Middle East, she was used to carry prisoners of war, also called POWs, mainly Italians. A prisoner of war is exactly what you might think it is, a person who is held captive by a belligerent power during or immediately after an armed conflict. With these POWs, she traveled to Cape Town, South Africa, before setting a course for Freetown, Sierra Leone, following a zigzag course to avoid U-boat attacks, but sadly, it wouldn't work. If you want to hear about another strange sinking near the tip of South Africa, check out our episode on the disappearance of SS Waratah. Alright folks, a quick note before we get into the sinking. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, make sure to leave us a comment with your suggestions and you might hear your favorite ship here on the podcast. Check out our community tab to keep up with us and we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
On September 12, 1942, at 8.10 p.m., RMS Laconia was roughly 130 miles or 210 kilometers north-northeast of Ascension Island in the middle of the tropical South Atlantic, when a torpedo launched from German U-boat U-156 struck her starboard side. There was a massive explosion in the hold where many of the prisoners were held, and many of the Italian prisoners were killed instantly. Immediately, she listed to the starboard side and settled heavily in the bow. The captain of the ship, Captain Rudolph Sharp, had gone through this before. He'd captained Cunard's liner RMS Lancastria when she was sunk by enemy action, resulting in the deaths of over 7,000. And we do have an episode on her if you're interested. He was gaining back control over the worsening situation when his luck would be tested. A second torpedo hit the number two hold. When she was attacked, there were 268 British personnel, which also included women and nurses, 160 Polish soldiers who were on guard, more than 80 civilians, and about 1,800 Italian POWs. After the attack, Captain Sharp took a stance we are all too familiar with. Load the children, women, and injured into the lifeboats first, and lower away. By the time this order was made, the foxhill was just dipping into the water. Not only this, but some of RMS Laconia's 32 lifeboats were destroyed in the explosions, reducing the number of people she could save. The fact I'm about to relate to you made me so angry that when I wrote this episode, Derek had to calm me down a little. You see, the Polish captors of the Italian POWs were not too kind to their prisoners. They were seeking vengeance on a country that sided with Nazi Germany, who'd invaded their home country and started this whole mess. I understand their anger, but it is vastly overplayed in what I will tell you next. According to Italian survivors of the disaster, most of the POWs were locked in the cargo holds, doomed to drown with RMS Laconia. The few that made it up on deck and tried to board life rafts and lifeboats were simply shot or bayoneted by the Polish guards. The ship is already sinking. Most of them were going to perish anyway. I don't see a point for this needless, disgusting bloodshed, and it boils my blood. Most of the British and Polish crew and troops were saved, while a measly 415 Italian POWs of the roughly 1,809 who were on board were rescued. At 9.11pm, an hour and one minute after the explosion of the first torpedo, RMS Laconia sank bow first, with her stern rising into the air and becoming completely vertical. Many of the terrified Italian POWs and Captain Rudolph Sharp was still on board, becoming victims of the disaster. Those who managed to escape RMS Laconia were not necessarily out of the woods yet. They were adrift in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean where sharks were common with few prospects for rescue. There are no confirmations on whether or not any of the survivors were attacked by sharks. Soon after the sinking, the commanding officer of U-156, Capitan Lieutenant Werner Hartenstein, realized that there were civilians and POWs aboard RMS Laconia, and he surfaced in order to help with the rescue effort. He asked the U-boat command in Germany for help, and several other U-boats in the area were dispatched. All were flying Red Cross flags, and signaled via radio their intentions to aid the rescue effort. This sounds nice, but don't worry, I just shook my head and am screaming internally at what happens next. The following morning, a USAAF B-24 Liberator plane spotted the rescue efforts and honed in. Hartenstein signaled to the pilot for assistance, who then passed this along to the American base on Ascension Island. 
However, the senior officer on duty there, Robert C. Richardson III, later claimed to be completely unaware of the situation, but we all know that's a fat lie, and he recklessly ordered the U-boats to be sunk. Despite the crew of the Liberator clearly seeing the Red Cross flags, they did as they were told, and attacked the U-boats. Now, the U-boats were mid-evacuation, and had survivors on the upper decks of their vessels as well as lifeboats in tow. The Liberator made several deadly attack runs on U-156, and the Germans ordered their submarines to abandon the rescue, crash-diving and leaving behind hundreds of scared survivors. Because of the inherently arrogant and downright idiotic order by Richardson III, Admiral Karl Donitz issued what was called the Laconia Order, which forbid any submarine commanders from rescuing survivors after attacks. Vicky French ships, among them Annemite, Glory, and Dumont d'Orville, would swoop in for the rescue too little too late, only managing to save around 1,083 people from the lifeboats and took aboard all of those who'd been abandoned on the decks of the submarines, adding up to roughly 1,500 survivors. We do have to note that other sources state only 1,083 people total survived and 1,658 died, breaking down into 98 crew, 133 passengers, 33 of the Polish guards, and 1,394 Italian POWs, though there are some estimates to place the death toll at 1,757. Either way, more died in this sinking than in the infamous sinking of RMS Titanic. This episode couldn't be possible without our lovely patrons. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to support the channel and future episodes, go to patreon.com slash shipwrecksunday to join. In the media, RMS Laconia has been immortalized in a BBC Two special in the UK called The Sinking of the Laconia. A two-part dramatization of the sinking of the vessel aired on January 6th and 7th of 2011. Her sinking was also featured in the Animal Planet show River Monsters in the episode Killers from the Abyss, which investigated claims of shark attacks on the survivors of the sinking of RMS Laconia. The torpedoing and subsequent sinking of RMS Laconia was not only incredibly sad and horrific, but a benchmark in human history. Rest in peace to all of the victims of the disaster, and I hope the survivors, their friends and families, and their descendants have sound some semblance of peace. Other horrifying sinkings with POWs and prisoners have happened in history, and if you'd like to hear more about that, check out our episode on the German vessel SS Cap Arcona, a ship accidentally bombed and sunk with thousands of Holocaust survivors aboard. That is the sad, sad tale of RMS Laconia. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. Stay tuned next week for the story of MV Seul, a Korean ferry that capsuled and sank under suspicious circumstances, killing 306 students and crew. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.